Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I am your host and unconscious mind expert, Jenea Barnes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I'm here with Brenda Edelman, and we're going to talk about healing and forgiveness through storytelling. She is a badass. I've done some work with her, and shes I've watched many people have very powerful shifts in their own healing and transformation, and yeah. Brenda, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? I shall. Thanks for having me here. Yes, it was amazing to be working with you and a lot of other people in that container. Um, well, I am an award-winning actress with a critically acclaimed one-woman show called My Brooklyn Hamlet about the power of forgiveness uh, based on my life story growing up in Brooklyn with a Jewish wannabe Italian father who taught me how to drive a Cadillac when I was six and how to shoot a gun when I was 10 and a bohemian artist mom who took me traveling with her all over the world. Big characters, big loves. And then in 1995, my father shot and killed my mother and then married her sister. And I was able to forgive him and move on when I found forgiveness. So my life's work, my one woman show, my coaching all started with, well, how do we heal from these stories that we have? And uh, as an actress, I started out with this one woman show, My Brooklyn Hamlet, which I have performed for over 12,000 people in four countries, 10 states, and now virtually. And I teach entrepreneurs and performers how to tell an impactful story in a way that captures the emotion, but does not push it out, overdo it or hide it. And, and really how do we, how do we heal from our stories and empower others by sharing them? I think that's a very powerful thing and knowing, you know, working with you and just in general, when we are talking about sharing our story, it's important that we bring people through different states and we don't want to leave them in a place where they're stuck in their own like traumas maybe or feeling slightly traumatized by listening to other people's stories bringing yeah, you from <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly it's like sometimes we watch those movies this is always thing you see you see those movies where the end it just leaves you in this horrible emotional state yeah, and you're just stuck there yeah i lived there <laughs> and for I, so long that i'm like nope we gotta move people out <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that's so powerful. And baseline, I think, you know, the work that I do and all the work that I've seen actually work when we're talking about healing people, such a big part of it is processing the emotions. What do you think about that? We think that that is the most important thing. Actually, it's funny because I teach so many entrepreneurs and they don't realize, they don't realize that they don't know why they're stuck or they don't know why they're stuck because there's all this stuff of tell your vulnerable story. But it's like, we've spent a lifetime pushing those vulnerable stories down thinking they don't matter anyway, or we don't matter because we were told growing up that, you know, it's not, that's not important. You know, you just move on. But of course, that creates a lot of heartache and a lot of suffering, a lot of lack of intimacy. And um, 
kind of hiding. And so, you know, my process came about, you know, I've, te- I've taught so many people over the last couple of years alone, hundreds. Um, my process came about because I kind of did it all the wrong way. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like there's a stage with storytelling. There's when you've lived through something big, there's the first part, which is I can't say anything. I'm so filled with guilt and shame. Then there's a second stage, which is I can tell my story. I'm going to tell everybody and anyone. I'm not even going to lean in and see if they're listening. And then that's where all the emotions go out of control. And, you know, that's where you are pushing your emotions on other people and really not feeling yep. good afterwards. And then the third right. stage, okay, I'm present in this year. That didn't happen to me. Let me start to craft and let me start to heal myself while I'm looking at this material, you know, so that I can really share powerfully. Yeah, I can totally relate to coming about your process because you did it all wrong. (laughs) Did it all the wrong ways. And I remember when this isn't a story that you and I worked on, but it's like kind of one of my, it's my first big trauma of when I held my junkie friend while he passed away his hand. And I remember when I first started remembering all that and I was like, I got to remember this. I got to figure out everything that happened and all of this stuff. And I was just like everywhere. And it was, I was in a big, huge victim place. Oh, me too. I know. Happened to me and my life is terrible. And, and, you know, we're laughing. We're laughing now, but could you imagine if we stayed in that place? Oh, I can't even imagine that took me forever. And I chased, I mean, I chased the memories there. Our unconscious mind keeps stuff from us for a reason. Cause we don't yet have the, the, right. the capacity yet, or the resources to actually process the emotions. But I was trying to chase it all. And I was talking about it, re-traumatizing myself, all of that question? stuff. Can I ask yeah. you a question about that? Yeah, I do think everything happens in right timing, right? But I also am a firm believer that, like, I've worked with so many people that, you know, it's true, we're not able to, certainly when we're younger, we're not able to cope cope with it. Our brains aren't even formed totally. and stuff like that. But I've found in all these years of working with people, there were only, there was, there was only one person who had extreme PTSD that couldn't work on it. Like, and that's, you know, I, and I respected yeah. that. I want people to go to therapists and stuff like that. But for other people, like, do you think everybody, like, it, it seems like the, the subconscious mind does that, but then there's like an opening, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, should some people not face these stories? Cause I truly believe that there's freedom on the other side. And like, it is hard to totally. go into it. But thank God I went into it so I could be free, you know? Right. Well, I think for me, when I was going through that period where I was chasing it, like I only had flashes in the beginning. So I just kept chasing it and replaying the flashes over and over and living in the emotion over and over. Yeah, no, so you weren't like in a container of moving. No, there was no, I mean, I was seeing a therapist at the time, but it it wasn't, you know, it was... She was, I think for what therapists do, she was the best 
therapist for me at the time. But what I was doing outside the container, she didn't tell me, don't keep playing this stuff over and over constantly, (laughs) every minute of every day and Uh, writing about it, like blackering all of that. Um, And and I've watched you in that process of bringing people through stuff that they weren't, they didn't ever want to face. And the last time we worked together, I watched somebody have a current circumstance come up that brought up a past circumstance and they worked on that. And it was very beautiful the way that you held the container and let them go at their own pace. And in my own writing of my book, I have discovered that, you know, some parts take a long time for me to write because I'm processing emotions because my brain scrambled the timeline and all these different pieces. But I definitely have the capacity now to manage that. And I think when you have a container and you have somebody that knows what they're doing, yeah, it's it's important it's you can go through it and heal from it and also honor the unconscious mind you said there was one person that couldn't and you honored that and there's you know a place like you you have such a good sense of people just like i do when i'm in sessions with people that i can see if they're in distress where it's Mm -hmm. like not a place to step through not like a boundary when you step through to the other side they're just not ready for that boundary and i've watched you do that very gently and very lovingly with people and held them their hand as they walked through those boundaries. Yeah, that's so amazing when that happens. It's almost like, it's just like I have this sense that it's right there. You know, like I'm not afraid to just hold and be like, it's uncomfortable. But but if you're here and you're sharing it, there's a reason, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I've been trusting that. No, exactly. It's And I think too, when you're working with anybody, hopefully they have the skills and the intuition to be able to hold you in that space. If it's coming up at that time, it if it even comes up as a glip, like maybe I should work on this story with they're working with you or me if they're saying, well, I have this thing, but I don't think that has anything to do with <laughs> it. Like if it pops up, then your unconscious mind is saying, hey, hello, look at me. I think you're ready. And this feels like a safe space to work on it. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I'm just astounded by what every what people have lived through and how they've kept it secret and how there's so much freedom when they own it and take their power back, you know? It's yeah. so beautiful. I keep, I constantly say it's a process of my heart breaking and my heart expanding with my clients, you know, which I guess is just what happened to me when I was developing my material. You know, I, I kind of said too much too soon. I didn't have a mentor at the time. And then I felt like absolute crap, you know, I'd let, you know, people would laugh and cry in the, in the seats of my show. And then I'd go home and be miserable. So then I got my two-year master's degree because it was like, I'm not going to perform and present my story, no matter that I'm an actor, if I feel like crap. (laughs) But that said, I still wouldn't change anything because the end of the very first version of my presentation was, will I ever love and trust again? And I literally feel like I wrote into being that I would love and trust again, you know, but it's just a matter of knowing how to 
how to dance with these emotions, not give them too much power, let them, you know, let them have a voice, but not make it that that voice means something right now today, you know? Right. Like that, I mean, that's one, now. that's one of the big things about our emotions. It's um, somebody said energy and motion, right? Our emotions are supposed to move through us. And most of us, when we have these like big things happen to us, we're overwhelmed. Often it's when we're younger. So we're overwhelmed. And when we're overwhelmed, this registers to our nervous system as trauma and everything kind of shuts down. And so these emotions stay trapped in our body. They're, they don't move through. And this ends up creating these dark places that we don't ever want to go to because anytime we get a little bit close, the unconscious mind is like, oh no, oh, that, that little edge. Oh no, 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 that's, that's, that's bad. That's bad. I don't know what's going to happen over there. I can't go back to that place of being unresourceful. I mean, that's the thing when you're overwhelmed and you can't process the emotions, you feel completely paralyzed often and unresourceful. Yeah. It's so, interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, just our unconscious mind does everything so fast and so quick to keep us away from those things. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm, I'm where working, the healing is. I'm working on noticing where my triggers are and getting out of them quicker. Because that's exactly what you yeah. said. It's like all of a sudden I feel like, uh, not with storytelling, but more personal stuff. And I'm right. like, wow, I'm pretty triggered there. Well, that is, got, I've, I've become, it's, it's become so much quicker for me to recognize that it's not about the present. It's about this place when I was, you know, part of me that was, didn't have the resources, but I do have the exactly. resources now. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, that's the big thing when we talk about the emotional triggers, most of, of you know, most of them happen before we're five when we're really, and we don't have the language. That's such yeah. a big thing with these things happen to us when we're little Sometimes people say, oh, well, you had such a great childhood. I don't understand why you're, and you probably see this in your classes and working with people that, you know, it, it, it seems like they don't have some surface, big, crazy, traumatic story, but it doesn't mean that there's not stuff there. There's these moments when we're little, when we're oh, overwhelmed yeah. and can't process. And it creates this trigger that just keeps happening over and over. And it anchors it into our neurology stronger and stronger. So it becomes big limitations. Yeah. And then they don't think they have a story. And then it just feeds into the fact that they don't feel important. Instead of, mm -hmm. of course, you have a story, you're human. And oftentimes yeah. it comes with like people comparing to like big circumstances. Right. And, events. and instead of being like, oh, not having a parent that cared for you and was there for you when you were a kid, that's a big thing. It's not a big event, that's but it's a big thing, you know? So it's like, absolutely, you know, but people spend so much time like being like, oh, that's okay. Instead of wait, give that a voice, you know, do the inner child's work. Just be the Absolutely. parent that you didn't have there. That's interesting, right? Because people who have really big events that happen, you know, like when I started, I was like, well, how can I tell people it's too big? Nobody will be able to relate. And then there's people who feel like they don't have a story. And I'm so glad that both sides, you know, tell their stories because, you know, I'll tell my story. My father killed my mother, married my aunt. And not a lot of people have that. But believe it or not, enough people have something similar from, you know, me knowing. Yep. Um, 
from taking my show on the road, but they've had betrayal, you know, they've yeah. had that time where they just feel so alone. They've lost everything. It's, it's those things. And that's, that's of course what I teach with my storytelling, connecting to that, that human spark that goes through everything. Absolutely. It's interesting when I think about like my story has a lot of these big events, but what came out of those big events, the beliefs about myself, how I reacted and acted with other people, it's stuff that most everybody can relate to. The feeling not good enough, feeling like maybe one of your parents is not trustworthy, um, keeping people away, not letting people get close. It doesn't take a gigantic thing for, to create those beliefs and mm -hmm. those things in our neurology. And it's so important, I think, for everybody to be able to tell their story and set that stuff free. Well, and it's also really courageous. I think that was something. So I was just on, a, I was just teaching a workshop and, you know, someone mentioned something about how, but her story's like too big. I would say that this is paraphrasing. And so she doesn't want to, you know, tell that and it had to do with abuse. And as you know, because you were in classes with me, a lot of people have dealt with heart, just horrible abuse. And, um, she, you know, she, it was a question of like, well, it's too big. Like people will not want to hear it. And my thought is like, why not? Like people need to hear this. People need to hear what's going on in the world. It's like, if someone is taken aback, good, because there's someone else next to them who's been abused as a child and they'll know that they're not alone, but it does take courage. That's the thing yeah. it takes. And knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to. I was right. saying, you know, I talked, I did my show for a commune one time and they told me I couldn't curse. And back then I had like so much cursing because my dad was, you know, I played my dad and he used the F word so much. And I was like indignant, like, I can't believe they're telling me to change my script. And then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, well, you got to know your audience. If they're, the audience is going to be in their mind of like, she's cursing instead of listening to my story, then I need to change it. And so I changed it. Right. So it's like knowing your audience as well. Yeah. Well, it's again, what is what is the purpose that you want to tell your story for? For some people, it's going to be for healing. For other people, it's going to be for their business, for, you know, all these different things. And so you look at if you've got to pull a couple changes of phrases to land the purpose, right. then is that okay or does it have to be so exact i think or i think artists in general get in that place where i can't make any adjustments i mean obviously if you're making a painting for yourself no, I've, your been, heart, I've, been like but, I've been like that i've been like that i had to change another script one time and i was like but i did it you know and one time i was doing my show in um Arizona, I was working to get, they were working with me to invite me out. It took like a year and a half, two years. I finally get invited out. And they said, oh, there's one person in our congregation whose father actually had killed their mother. And they mm -hmm. do not want you talking about forgiveness. And I was like, wow, what? And I don't say you must forgive. I say, this is my story. But you know, we ended up doing it so crazy. I think they ended up having me um, 
they got another temple for me to do the show at. I spoke at their temple, but they got, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's strange. Mm. The world is just strange. You can think about, like, no one would think anyone would say, oh, forgiveness. No, it's always takes courage to just be true to your story and share your story and then know who to listen to, you know? Right. Well, and I love that they worked with you to create. Uh, they, one, one of them was so like apologetic. One of the rabbis was so apologetic. And I was like, yeah, wow. Yeah. As an artist, you have to, you know, you have to work within the parameters of, you know, different organizations and things like that. I had one, one organization in New York. They had a list of, I don't know, thousands of people. And one person did not want they didn't like in my promotion, it said that I grew up with a Jewish uh, Guido father. Um, and that was actually how my father was referred to in the 80s, you know, in New York. It wasn't right. a, a derogatory thing, but they were like, yeah, we got to take it out of the promotion. Like, all right, because my purpose was I want to perform in New York for all these people, you know, so right. I decided to do that. But yeah, it's hard. As an, but, you know, anything in life that you really care about, you have to think about. You know, what's your purpose? What's the bigger? Yeah, goal? exactly. I, and I think that's so important. What is the bigger goal? What is your, like, I know when you first started doing your show, you were, you ended with this place of, will I ever forgive? And well, will I ever love him? When all I, yes, that's what it was. And where did you come to that place where it switched for you, where you actually wrote your happy ending and performed it into reality? Yeah. Um, like, when did I change it to forgiveness, you mean? Or Yeah. When, when did it switch for you, where it was this place of not being healed yet to Yeah, it was after that first production. That's why I don't tell people you need to be fully healed to present your material, because presenting yeah. really helped me also because with acting and the way I teach it storytelling I jump into the characters right so if you're, I had to jump into the character of my father but as a good actress you can't play yourself as a villain so therefore because I was playing him I looked at him as a full person you know not just as a villain and it actually helped me heal but what happened was after that first version of the show like I said people would laugh people would cry and I would go home and be absolutely miserable. I took 2 years off to get my masters in spiritual psychology and it was there that I learned about forgiveness and I learned about healthy boundary setting. And I realized mm-hmm. that I couldn't forgive my father as long as I didn't know how to set a healthy boundary with him and part of setting a healthy boundary with him at the time was taking him to court for wrongful death. And when I took him to court for wrongful death from a place of self-honor versus punishment, I am right. um, not only did he skip town and I never saw him again, but I got my power back by standing up to him. And so yeah. I rewrote the ending then. And I did another layer of, of healing, uh, another layer of forgiving, uh, forgiving him for not showing up for the court case, like <laughs> more forgiving. And I rewrote the ending with what I had found out about forgiveness and the ceremony of release. And, uh, and that's when it changed. It was like three years after that. Yeah. One thing that you said really touches me because I am in this place of looking at everything you do as, you know, my piece that I just worked on with you was about acceptance 
And I'll put a link in the chat later for yes. anyone that wants to see that. And the first piece that I worked on with you is on my website on the My Story page. So oh, it's great. A I want to see it. So I helped there. develop and directed those pieces. Yay. Yeah, both of them. Great. And, um, but so I've been in this place of looking at everything as neutral, contracting, or expanding. And that place of acceptance, right? You helped me. I was all, I was cusping on all of this understanding and working on that piece about acceptance really helped land it for me. Okay. So acceptance is actually neutral. It's a neutral place where all the negative emotions are gone. And then, you know, when you're contracting, you're in survival mode. You're in this place of like, I'm going to, he's going to pay, right? right? Right. And I loved that you spoke about taking your father to court from this place of for self-empowerment, which is about expansion. Mm -hmm. It's not about this contracting revenge thing. And so, you know, part of that process of healing, all, all kinds of healing, especially the healing I do as well, it's like taking people from this place where it's like you're in this contracting place where the edges are touchy and rough and you're just trying to stay away from the edges coming to this place of neutrality, which is acceptance. And then from there, you can move into expansion and the universe is always expanding, which means that we must expand with it. Otherwise, if you just stay at neutral, then the universe is going to start you know, as it's expanding, your neutral is going to end up in contraction again. So once you get to that neutral place, taking the steps to really expand. And I love that you always bring everybody or what I've seen, you bring everybody through those states of, you know, even if they just get to the acceptance place, that's a powerful place where people can take big steps from there to create such a beauty in their life. I love yeah, you, that. You say that so well. I think a lot of the stuff with me, yes, I got the master's in spiritual psychology, but it's intuitive, you know? So like you talk about contraction expansive, I always say that I, it's like I've, I've finally fine-tuned it a little bit that I know when I'm supposed to do something when I have this big expanded breath. But if it's not the path that's going to be the easiest, or it's mm -hmm. not the right path, let's say, I get contracted. I'll get a yeah. contraction. And then there's the neutral where I'm like, hmm, I need more information usually with that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I loved, in my process of writing my book, and I'm only up to age 16. <laughs> oh, wow. But it's interesting, but I've been able to really move through and get clear and see more accurately what has happened. And one of the ways that I've been able to do that is not only do I look at it from my own point of view, looking through my own eyes and my own body, but I look up from, or I come up like way up above it. So you're looking down on it as a neutral observer. And at that point, you see a lot of things 
that you wouldn't normally see because we're so deep in our experience usually, or sometimes we're trying to be so deep into somebody else's experience, like <laughs> empathic people are trying to do that and taking on other people's things. Yeah. You know, you, you know who it's interesting. I have this one exercise. So I started out, I did, I started with my show cause I was already an actress and then started teaching on the subject of forgiveness before I shifted into storytelling back in like the end of 2014. But um, uh, what was my point with, it was about forgiveness. Oh yeah. So I have this, I wrote a book on forgiveness. I have a three-step process. And in this, the first step is all about being a victim and embracing the victim and just really getting it all out in a healthy way because we spend yeah. so much of our time stuffing it down and then it ends up leaking out in other areas and other relationships. But in the second step, which is giving up your need to be right, I have an exercise where you put yourself in someone else's shoes. Like, so we're so, I'm so busy. Like I'm angry at him. I'm angry at her. Look how bad they were. And then I think, and then I say, who's angry at you? What about, is there someone that's unforgiving of you? Why don't you right. look at their perspective? You know, and it's interesting when we don't ever get out of our own stuff, like the world is about us, but what about how your sibling thinks about you or, yeah. Yeah, there is um, this really great, I think it's a TED talk. I wish I could remember his name. He's a storyteller and he talks about, he tells the story of when he's a little kid. And then he tells the story about how his mom said, okay, great. Now it was a traumatic story for him, right? Tell this story to everybody you, like she said something like, tell the story to everybody you know. So he did that and he's like, okay, mom, I told the story to everybody. He's like, okay, now I want you to tell the story from this person's perspective and then go tell everybody you know. And then it was like another perspective and go tell everyone, you know, and by that transformation of stepping into everybody's shoes and seeing it through their eyes, telling the story multiple times, getting it out of their system. And that's how he healed. Yeah, um, I love that. And that, how, how powerful that, you know, his family member just guided him to heal himself through storytelling. And I think that's a big piece is, we are so caught up and overwhelmed in our own experience. We and the story we're telling ourselves about our story, right? You know, I or, mean, or, or needing something from someone else from one of those people. Like my father needs to tell me that he was responsible. It's like you're always we're always disempowering ourselves when we're ex needing something from someone else. So I try to teach right. that too. It's like I didn't have closure with my father, but I did because I did it on my own. You know? Right. Well, and, and that's I think been with him. <laughs> that's one of the biggest pieces about when you know that you're healed is when you can sort of own your responsibility, see the role that you played in it, and let it go, not only forgiving the other person, but forgiving yourself. I think that's a big piece of it too, is people have a hard time forgiving themselves and yeah. then they or they don't even go there. They don't even think they have to forgive themselves. Because a big part of my healing with my father was forgiving myself. And I'll have people say, why would you have to forgive yourself? And it's really identifying those unconscious beliefs. You know, I had to forgive myself for trusting my dad because I thought somehow I'm responsible for my mother's life because I trusted my dad and loved my dad. Like it doesn't make logical sense, but then I right. forgave those judgments so that I could set myself free and also start 
trusting again and start, you know, loving men again and stuff like that versus mm -hmm. all the unconscious beliefs that come with, you know, not, not bringing these things that are hidden to the surface in the light. Right. Well, and we definitely, one thing about story is we are, our story is our perception of what is happening. It's, you know, and we ascribe meaning to certain things. And I love when you talk about writing a new, like writing a new ending into being, because mm -hmm. by doing that, you are get to change your perception of the event. My first, one of my first big, like release healings of that event with my, um, junkie friend when I was four, I happened in meditation and I was way up in like outer space looking down on the event. Right. And I had perceived this when I finally started remembering it, I perceived it as this horrible thing that was so traumatic. And then from this new perspective, from this new view, this new story point of view, I was able to see like, a young man in his 20s that loved a little girl that was four years old. We used to have the best time. He would sing songs and play the guitar. It was great. And you could see from that perspective, I was able to see the love between, you know, platonic love people. Just get your minds out of that bad place. But this beautiful love between a young adult and a four-year-old kid and it was the room was full of love. And he held my hand and said, Jenea, you are magic as he drifted away. And being able to see that from that perspective of how much love was in that room between the two of us, as opposed to the other perspective that had me like living in a traumatic place, it was like, oh, that's what's actually really happening. Once I was not in my body anymore, reliving the experience, I could see how much beauty was there. And I think when we're telling our stories and going through that process and writing our stories into a new being, that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's it's looking at the other perspectives. That was just making me think about how I, it's so important to, to do the inner work. You know, I just remembered a story I had a friend die when we were both 15 and um and she had, she had um Hodgkin's disease and she also had jaundice before she died but I had I didn't see her like that my mother went right. to the hospital I still remember and said and she said oh you know wait until she gets better because she's got jaundice and then and then my friend died and in my this is how it works you know and then in my mind I always saw her so sick in the hospital. And then I was doing uh, landmark education years later and mm -hmm. I pulled up that memory. And all of a sudden I remembered the last time I saw her, she was beautiful. She was like coming into herself in ninth grade and had her hair permed. And it was like, I shifted from holding the memory of her as sickly to beautiful and happy. And it, it just helped me love myself more, you know, because I felt yeah. guilty for not going there. So it, it's an interesting process and we can change it. You know, we can change how we hold it in our consciousness. Like you're saying, it's, it, but, but it's like being open to that, being open to that things are not, things don't have to be held in our consciousness, even in the way they were, they can be changed, you know? Right. 
it's um, as we go through moving, what will actually, let me ask you this, because I'm curious about this. What is, as you, as people move to that place of forgiveness, and you know, you always hear the like, just forgive them, it'll set you free, but you, there's process to actually get to that place. And of course, the forgiving is ultimately for you. But all the people you've worked with in telling their story, what are the big themes that they need to move through to get to for that place of forgiveness? Hmm. It's interesting. I, I was in, I was interviewed for the Forgiveness Project website in um, out of England. And I know she says there are six characteristics on it. And she quoted me for one of mine. And I only remember mine, of course, in this moment. Right. <laughs> she did interview me like five years ago, but it's a great website. Um, and, and she did a presentation on the qualities. And so the quality that she appreciated from what I shared was self-awareness, mm. really having self-awareness, knowing, um, going beyond the story. Of like, yeah. I'm hurting myself right now by holding on to this. I can't yeah. remember what the other ones were, but that's important to know that, you know, if you don't feel a relief, if you say I forgive this person, but you don't feel a relief from them, then you haven't forgiven them. And True. I think it gets a little complex when the person's not directly in your life because we suppressed, we say, oh, they're not affecting me now. But I know very well that like my anger toward my aunt who married my father, I did the opposite of what I taught my clients. You know, you must yell it even if they're in another state or they're gone because it will show up in your life. And repeatedly someone showed up in my life uh, who reminded me of her, who had qualities of her that caused conflict for me. But I I went to a therapist, I remember about it, but I still, it was still there. I didn't come to the place of just acceptance, that neutral. I still right. had anger and righteousness that she married my father. And then when she died uh, a couple of years ago, my aunt that I call my good aunt, not the one who married my father, called me to say that she had died. And I was like, whatever. And I'm like, wow, I'm like a forgiveness coach. And that's what I just said. But then the next moment... <laughs> I was in the car driving, I remember. And the next moment I saw my mother's spirit just come to me. And like, uh, she was welcoming her sister into the other side mm. with open arms. And in that moment I started sobbing and this weight released from my shoulders. And I realized I had held that righteous anger toward her for freaking 20 right. years. And it was like, oh my God. And it was freeing because my mother on the other side just loved her sister instead of having that. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you one of my most palpable forgiveness moments. I was walking the Camino de Santiago in Spain oh, and, um, which for those people that don't know, it's a 500 mile walking pilgrimage through Spain. Did you do the whole and thing? I, yeah, I did the whole thing. And I went, you know, I was like, I want, I'm going to get my power, Rick. I want my power. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is quite a few years back and my journey has gone in crazy directions and beautiful directions since then. But I was walking and walking and walking and the person that I did my first story with you about 
um, about a man who I sort of relived my childhood through in relationship and he sexually assaulted me. And I was walking and I just remember, I don't know exactly what happened, but I was walking through the trees and just this like weight dropped off and I thought about him and there was no emotion anymore. Wow. And it was a powerful moment. And I think um, I always tell people, if you can't afford to do anything, if you can't afford to work with somebody, the one thing that you can do is close your eyes and sit. Yeah. And in that process, what happens is a lot of people say, I can't do it. I can't do it because they get their emotions rile up or they start to feel uncomfortable or antsy. And they're like, okay, I got to get, got to get out of this. Can't do this. I can't do it. And what's happening is an emotion that's been trapped inside your body is trying to move up and release. And when you allow that to happen, you're actually healing yourself. So maybe it's not quite as fast as if you're working with someone like me or you're working with you to work on stories, but you are healing yourself little by little. And I think for me, the walking, and I walked by myself almost the entire time. What a bad. So, <laughs> so that, that quiet space that's very meditative in that same sense of just close your eyes. Don't worry about what your brain does. Just close your eyes and sit still. And so I think that was, I was able to little by little release emotions from that time period. And I mean, I had had some big healing through an ayahuasca ceremony through that as well. So the events itself were not emotionally charged, but during that walk, I did have this like rush of forgiveness. And I was in... Go ahead. Don't you think it's like our body knows everything, right? So you Mm -hmm. took it to the fertile ground of conscious awareness and walking and being with yourself. That's why it's so important what you're saying. It's like, just give yourself what it needs. Like if you really listen, you'll be told, you know? Yeah. I know some people have more access or not, but, but yeah. in that silence, it's amazing. I remember my mother could never stop. She was always just going, 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 going. And the answers are, the answers are in the stopping. The answers are in the silence. And it's, it, it, you know, also it's like conscious breathing is so important at those times. Like if the emotions come up, just breathe through it and then it goes away. You know, like you think it's going to be there forever. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's like our unconscious mind gets close to the edge. Oh, I feel it. And it runs away. But the emotion, the chemical response of an emotion lasts for 90 seconds in your body. Is that body. right? Yep. So the chemical, unless you feed it a story, if you keep feeding it a story, right. it'll cause a new flood of emotion. But the beautiful thing about when you're sitting, it, you're, you're generally, it's not a story that's bringing the emotion up. It's just the emotion is coming up and moving. So yeah. it also trains your nervous system how to, that you're not going to die if you feel an emotion. Right. So it helps you be able to actually feel your emotions in real time easier because your nervous system isn't so scared of it. But yeah, it's all you've got to do is sit through it. And once it's gone, it's gone. And whatever that emotion was tied to that might be triggered again down the line is gone. And that's why it's good to do 
you know, I think to get out of the story, you have to train yourself. That's why I like to do it in the presence process. It's like, I am here now in this, like training your mind to just say that in the, in the breathing versus, oh, but uh, and that happened because that's awful. Like, haven't we all been right. in a loop of thinking instead of coming back to the body? What am I feeling? Where is that? Where is the tension? Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. the story thing. And of course, I understand that because I used to be so caught in my story. So it just feels like an honor to be able to help people. Like, it's like the reward for living through, you know, what I have, probably what you have. It's the, the reward is that I get to help people not have yeah. to suffer as long and to turn it around and be a benefit to, to other people and in service of their message, you know, their life. Yeah, I think you and I are the same in that way. Like at this point in my life, I am so full of gratitude for all of the things that I've been through and my healing journey of doing all of the things, the things that didn't work, the things that did, so that I could guide other people through in a way that's much more efficient, much more effective without necessarily having to do 10 years of therapy and then 18 million other alternatives. Oh, I know. And then all the different, and <laughs> all the different healers and modalities and all that, instead of just like, here, this is yeah. what I know works. And there's a lot. Exactly. And yeah. of course, with whatever people are going through, because everybody has their own path as well. Exactly. Well, I and I think storytelling though. I love the storytelling aspect. I love the idea of healing, idea of healing and then being able to share with others. Because that's yeah. the ripple effect. You don't even know who you're sharing. You don't even know who you're helping. Exactly. Exactly. You tell your story and it resonates to somebody else. It's like we have right now, we have, you know, celebrities that are opening up about their mental health struggles and whatnot. And that's giving all these people that have held deep, deep inside all of their stuff permission like oh i can actually it's okay that i have this and it doesn't mean that i'm not enough because this person that is like my idol yeah is going through similar things and so it gives people this place of you know sharing the stories is so important because it gives people a path it gives people a path to find their own way. Yeah. And, and, and really not knowing that they're not alone. Like the storyteller is not alone and the people in the audience aren't alone. Like you really don't know how many people you help. It's right. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. That, and, the, and that piece about not feeling alone is so big because in the work I've been doing with people, we've been digging super deep and at the crux of so much of it is like, if I'm not feeling enough or if somebody's not loving me or any of those things, it comes down to this base level instinctual survival thing. Because we know when we come into this world as a baby that if we are not loved, we will potentially be thrown out. And as a baby or a young child, we cannot survive on our own. So that need to be loved and that need to belong and not feel alone is a base level survival instinct that's so core. And so we've had generations of generations of just stuffing the hurts in their life and feeling like it was not okay and they might be thrown out, which of course means 
very deep subconsciously that they might die if they share these stories. So yeah, people, a lot of yeah. people are so scared of telling stories because they're afraid of the tribe now throwing them out, you know, or their immediate mm -hmm. family and stuff like that. Instead of, I wish I had that quote. It's something about, it's a, an Alamont quote about like, if people didn't want to be written about, they should have treated you better or something like that. <laughs> or, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, it's your life. It's your story. I don't ever teach people to vilify anyone, but I do tell them to tell the truth, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember even telling my story and times when I'd be writing as I'm writing parts of my book, like, do I really want to say this? And like you, you struggle with it. I'm like, you know what? I'm committed. I'm committed to being an open book. And, and you can always you know, edit it out after if you really needed to, you know? It's true. I mean, I opened up about like, a, my mom didn't know about most of my traumas. So I told her about them all recently because I don't want her to get blindsided by a book. So right. that was a powerful thing in our relationship. That's what I'm saying. Like that used it as an opportunity to actually have a conversation. That's what people don't tell their story. And it's like, well, what if you just, I don't like people to talk about their story before they speak it because I don't want them right. to be suppressed and not do it. But then on the other hand, there are times when you can speak to that family member and use it as an opportunity for healing. Yeah. You know, exactly. that wouldn't be there if you, if you were too afraid. And yeah. then you, oftentimes people don't want to share because of their abusive, really, because I've just worked with so many people, their abusive parent who's elderly, who they don't even see. And they're like stuck right. in a role of when they were younger, the, per, the parent is not nice to them and the parent is still not going to see it. And yet there's, they're giving control over the parent who's not even taking control. It's already internal. Right. You know? right. So I still, you know, yeah. I told, it's like, okay. But I see the truth, and the truth is, you're still in the pattern. The freedom is on the other side of that pattern, you know. Yeah, not that, yeah, you that's it. Ever tell the parent you're doing it, you know, if you're freaking 40, 50 years old, like have your life try to heal that part of you so that. Well, the other thing is, let's say you have a parent who's super abusive, and let's say you want them to see it, like give them the opportunity to see the effect they have on you. Like that could be incredibly healing too, you know, but we're yeah. so just in the patterns that we had from when we were younger. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, I think it's important. One of the pieces of healing, when you start to unwind that stuff about they might throw me out is that you realize as an adult, you have the capacity to take care of yourself and find love within yourself and your own community that you're not actually reliant on them for your survival exactly. anymore. And it's just breaking. Yeah. And breaking free of those triggers, right? We talked about triggers before that you're not responding to right now, you're responding to the past. And so right. breaking free of that stuff is huge and huge in being able to, I think once you break free of that, that's a really huge step towards forgiving them and forgiving yourself. Yeah. And again, giving them an opportunity to step up have a different perspective yeah. they'll stay where they are if you don't do so it's it is courageous work and there are consequences sure but you know i'm yeah. thinking i'm thinking about several people who didn't want to say things that and i'm just like i just wish they could know their power and that they don't have to stay in that role and that they're not actually losing anything if they yeah you know if 
but it's like a secret. It's held in the family and they still feel like they're betraying someone when that person didn't even take responsibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I know just from my experience with you that even opening up those conversations is a pathway to healing for people. So Right. Even if it never gets uh, presented in public. Just exactly. being able to witness it on the pages for yourself or speak it in a small totally. class, so empowering. Absolutely. Oh, so empowering. Scary for people, it can be. But everything in life that's worth anything, there's some kind of excitement or fear or something. Otherwise, it's just yeah. comfort zone stuff. Which well, is yeah, nice. the comfort, like the comfort zone... The comfort zone is the contraction in the neutral place. But again, the universes keep expanding. So if you only stay in the comfort zone, then it's going to end up contracting on you. Yeah, that's interesting. That, I've never heard it like that. On that note, Brenda, why don't you tell everybody about what you have to offer, how they get in touch with you? I know I'm going to put in the chat. Um, All right, have we have some serious gifts. I am on Facebook, so that is Brenda Edelman. I have a free group that is wonderful called Booked and Paid Impactful Scholars, and but the URL is Becoming Unforgettable Club on that. And um, I have a free gift, Tell Your Story, Heal Your Life, Create More Wealth, that you have a link for. And I'm mm -hmm. also, since this is live right now, I'm actually doing my second, I just did one today. I'm doing a, a two-hour workshop on how to be unforgettable in your podcast. Voila. And, um, Voila. <laughs> and I, mean, like, I mean unforgettable as far as you say something real, you say something true, you affect somebody on the side, on the other side, you connect with your host, you bring your energy, you bring your heart. Um, so I'm, I'm actually leading uh, that live again next Tuesday, I think it's no next Monday, the 22nd. So if people want to join that, it's you, you'll learn my actual forgiveness. I have my sorry, I have my storytelling process in there and also presentation tips and it's only $37. So I'd That's, say go there. I, we don't have a link right now. Yeah. But if you go to my page, you'll, you'll see it there. It's called podcast ready. Beautiful. And I you can to tell their stories, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And is that something you'll be doing? Well, it's so it's next week and it's next Monday, and then I'm going to be turning it into a product, but it's live right now. And when people join now, I have a Facebook group pop up group where people are in there and getting cool. the replay of today's and stuff like that. It's fantastic. Beautiful group. of people. Awesome. 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 And I, I have to say anybody that's looking to expand and write your own healing and forgiveness into reality. Working with Brenda is amazing. Um, I'll in the comments of all the things, I'll post the links of the stories that I did with her. Wait, so y'all can see that. that too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for me, what was that? In six weeks, you got those to develop. I know. You know and up in front Absolutely. of an audience. Great. Absolutely. And for me, those of you guys that know me know I'm an unconscious mind expert and I work with you to rewrite your unconscious mind. <laughs> Similar thing, we go through some stuff that processes emotions in a very different way than Brenda does. And uh, we move from 
a place we what we really do is we get your conscious mind in alignment with your unconscious mind we all have these places where we get stuck and something seems to self-sabotage us and i work with you to break through that i also have a healing emotional triggers master class coming up um, in a couple of days but i might do it again and there's a worth up workshop coming up as well and that one is 397 dollars. but if you use the coupon code capital sss so sss all capitals um you get it for free so yeah. and if you want to do one-on-one -on -one work of course reach out to me facebook instagram all the things my website's JaneaBarnes.com, and thank you, Brenda, for me. joining me and having this wonderful conversation about storytelling and healing. I have been so honored to work with you and know you, and I'm just so grateful that you've come into my life. Oh, me too. Thank you. All right. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment, give it a rating, pass it along to your friends, follow it. These actions help other people find this podcast, and I, of course, greatly appreciate it. Thanks again, and have a beautiful day.